Hi everyone, welcome to How to Live, a podcast that explores ways to live a good life. I'm your host Sharad Lal. This is episode 3. At times when something negative happens to us, modern day living problems, like being passed over for a promotion, a nasty argument with our spouse, being let down by a friend, or anything in this realm, if this happens, we often exaggerate or dramatize it in our minds, making up stories around this. As a result, the issue becomes a lot worse than it really is. It creates stress and anxiety and affects our mental health. Why does this happen and how do we deal with it? That's the focus of today's episode. But before we get there, I'd like to say a huge thank you to all of you. Over the past two weeks, we've been getting heartfelt messages and encouragement from so many of you. This has been overwhelming and exhilarating for Sarah and me. It really strengthens our motivation and we are very grateful to all of you. The podcast has been doing very well in the charts as well. This was a pleasant surprise. It's reassuring that we are on to something good here. We are also thankful for all the feedback. You guys have taken the time to listen to the two episodes and have shared areas of improvement. This is very useful as we shape this podcast. Thank you very much again for all of this. Before we get going, one housekeeping note. All show notes of this podcast are on the site howtolive.life. There is also a link to the show notes in the podcast description on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So back to the topic at hand, exaggerating negative events. If we are passed over for a promotion, we might think, it's going to get delayed forever. All our peers are going to progress and we'll be left behind. We are not good enough. This company does not value us. Let's look for another job and so on. In our emotional state, we keep making more and more stories around this setback. As a result, the setback starts to seem 10 times worse than it really is. There's an ancient Buddhist parable that provides a visual framework to understand this behavior, the second arrow syndrome. The first arrow is the negative event that happens to us. This is typically external. It causes us distress. Often, we have no control over this. This is accompanied by a second arrow. That's the pain we inflict upon ourselves. It's the layer on top, the stories, the drama that we create. This arrow is more lethal. It makes the problem exponentially bigger. The good news is that the second arrow is created by us and can be controlled by us. So why does this happen? Why do we create all these stories? Our brains are wired in such a way that when we feel attacked, the emotional part of the brain takes over. In this emotional state, when we try to understand what's happened or problem solve, all these thoughts, however logical they may be, get contorted into negative drama. Typically, we want to get out of this emotional state, so we start using these thoughts and reasons and analysis to get out of it. But it does the opposite. It fuels the spark into a fire. 
Now let's sit back and visualize how this plays out in modern day living. We talked about one setback, not getting promoted. But there are multiple problems that all of us constantly face in life. Picture all these problems at 10 times their size sitting in our heads. Along with this, there are negative, passionate thoughts darting around our mind. No wonder most of us are so stressed, dealing with so much anxiety. How do we process this stress and anxiety? I'd recommend two ways. The first is dealing with them through emotions and feelings. The second is using our intellect and logic. In today's episode, we'll focus on the first method, using feelings. And for this, we'll look at mindfulness-based techniques. In the next episode, we will focus using our intellect. For that, we will take inspiration from the ancient philosophy of Stoicism. Now, even if you prefer the intellect, have a listen to today's episode because we often use a combination of both to solve our problems. For folks who are not aware of mindfulness, here's a simple summary. This has been derived from Buddhism, but it has no religious connotations. It's secular. One doesn't need to be a practicing Buddhist to be mindful. Mindfulness means bringing attention to the present moment bringing our attention to what we are doing right now without any judgment. So if you're eating an apple, we just focus on that, on how we are biting it, on the juice that's coming out, on the texture, how does this change. Our attention is just on that activity. If there's suffering at the moment, we pay attention to that. If there's happiness, we deepen it. Although this is an ancient art, there is a vast array of empirical evidence to show how powerful this technique is. It's proven to help with depression, stress, anxiety, addiction, among other health risks. Brains of folks practicing mindfulness have been studied before and after via fMRI scans. And after mindfulness, they've been found to be calmer and less reactive. So how does mindfulness work in this context? The structure to manage the daily stress is through a two-step process. The first is to process all the emotions associated with the setback. When we do that, we move away from an emotionally charged state to a calm, peaceful, balanced state. In this space, all our intellectual and creative faculties are fully available to us. Using our natural intelligence, we can understand what's happened to us and find the best way forward. The first step, which is the complicated step of processing our emotions, that's the step mindfulness helps in. It helps us process all these emotions so that we can become calm, collected, and then we can solve the problem. There are many mindfulness techniques. Most of them follow a two-step process. The first is acknowledging what we are feeling, and the second is observing the feeling and spending time with it. Acknowledging is a key step because many of us 
do not acknowledge the pain or hurt a negative event causes us, especially us alpha personality types. We think, how can something like this hurt us? We are brave enough to take this on. Some of us don't like touchy-feely things. We often deny or belittle any feelings that creep up. We say, this hasn't affected us. We are fine. We're not really looking for a promotion right now. We can easily get a job elsewhere. By denying or suppressing the pain, it doesn't make it go away. Instead, it makes it come back even stronger. It often comes back in other ways. We lose our cool with our spouse. We don't sleep too well. We're edgy at work. We pick up useless arguments and so on. So that's step one, acknowledging the pain the negative event has caused us. Once we do that, we move to step two, which is counterintuitive. Instead of stepping away from the negative emotion, we step into it. We sit with it. We give it attention. Paradoxically, focusing on the pain helps heal the emotional wound and allows us to move forward. There are multiple mindfulness techniques that can be used here. But for today, we'll focus on one simple but powerful mindfulness technique. It's called noting. For this, we do not need any meditation background. Anyone can do this. It's simply calling out whatever emotions we see inside. So let's try this together if you have time now. Otherwise, you can do this later by yourself. This exercise will take two to three minutes. Find a quiet place where you can sit for a while. Close your eyes. Take three or four deep breaths. We are slowing down here. Deep, luxurious breaths. There's no hurry. Think of a setback you faced recently. Maybe at office or home. Replay it in your mind. Do you notice any emotions arising? Simply note or label any emotion that emerges. If you see anger, you can say, there is anger. We do not say, I am angry. Anger is a separate entity. We look at it, we see what it's like, and then we let it go. Is there any other emotion arising? Maybe there's hurt, there's pain. We again label it. We need not get the name right. Whatever comes to mind, that's what we can label it as. If there are any intellectual thoughts or judgments that try to come in, we turn our attention away from it. Right now, we're only focused on feelings. A good trick to ensure that the mind doesn't get caught up in thoughts is to become curious. Curious about the emotions that we see. Are they painful? Are they strong? Does the intensity reduce with time? Or anything else that seems interesting? This way the mind has something to do 
and stays away from thoughts. In doing this, we will see that the more attention we give an emotion, the lesser its intensity becomes. Soon, we start becoming calmer and more peaceful. If you had your eyes closed and you were doing this with me, take a few deep breaths again and open your eyes. Doing this a few times can help heal the wound. Slowly, this helps us move to a more centered and balanced place. And in this state, our intellectual and creative faculties are fully available to us. We can solve whatever problem we face and move forward from the setback. Now, if noting does not work too well, you can try something the great Sufi poet Rumi used to do. He wrote a poem about this. He would think of emotions as guests to our house and welcome them with open arms. I've experimented with this concept a bit and added my own little touch. I get these unwelcome guests to not only come in but sit with me and have a cup of coffee. This reduces its intensity. I have to admit, I've had coffees with jealousy many times and I can tell you that jealousy is not as bad as a guy as we make him out to be. Now, I hope some of this resonated with you. There are two tools available that you can try at home. The first one is the mindfulness technique noting. For noting, you need not be sitting. You can even do this over a walk or on the commute to work or anywhere that works for you. The first time you do this, chances are you might get overwhelmed with emotions. That's fine. It happens to all of us. Maybe you have just a mini goal for the first time. It's about being able to just acknowledge one emotion that arises. And after doing it a few times, you can move forward and maybe sit with an emotion that comes in. None of these tools have any hard and fast rules. You can create your own versions of these and see what works for you. If you try this at home, I would love to hear about your experience. Do write me a message or leave me a voice message on howtolive.life. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. A reminder that the show notes of this episode and the exercises that we did are available on the episode site of howtolive.life. Before we go, a sneak peek of the next episode. In episode 4, we will talk about managing this issue of exaggerating negative events via logic and reason. We take inspiration from the philosophy of Stoicism. Stoicism sprung up in ancient Rome in the early 180s. It's very reason-based and practical. That's why it's had a re-emergence in our modern world. Folks in Silicon Valley, political leaders, and many others have taken to this. The episode will drop in two weeks. I hope you'll join me for that. That's it for now. If you like any of the episodes that I've shared, please do consider subscribing. Thank you again for all your overwhelming support. Have a wonderful day ahead.